Cool 97 Radio. Thirty-eight on the clock, and we're entering our talk segment sponsored by Alternative Skincare, the only choice. Feel the difference in your skin with handmade organic soaps. Alternative skincare products can help with most skin conditions such as eczema, acne, dry skin, hyperpigmentation. You can also follow them on social media. Shop Alt Skincare. You can email them. Shop Alt Skincare at Gmail. Dot com. So tonight, however, <laughs> you're always showing up when it's ladies' night, you know. <laughs> Dr. Milton Hardy, OBGYN, is with us tonight, and we're going to be looking at the well woman visit. Dr. Hardy, how are you doing? Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm fine. Yes, you said it before. I just wanted to make sure. Sometimes you have to ask the question not only one time, but almost three times. Three times. Just to make sure that you remember (laughs) what you said the first time. So let us just jump into into, into tonight's topic. Um, Explain for all those persons who are asking, uh, what is the well woman visit? And it, it it explains itself, you yes. know. It's the visit, it's the most common visit that, um, well, tonight it's women, eh? Mm. Women will make to the, to the doctor. It's all about your annual, usually annual, routine checkup. Checkups. Nothing is wrong that you know of. Mm-hmm. But you're going in to be checked. Um... Sometimes it might be uncovered that something is wrong. But by and large, it is an opportunity for you to get some counseling on a good, healthy lifestyle, good diet, good rest, good habits, (laughs) counseling where necessary, and of course, some um, screening procedures which women routinely do uh, primarily dependent too on their age mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so tonight we're going to um, kind of focus on what age range you think we should focus on tonight now I'm giving you that opportunity yeah. but we're looking at 35 and upwards yeah, I think, yeah. you think 35 and upwards yeah. <laughs> I think we should take the whole girl. We're doing the reproductive age group and yes. the perimenopausal and the postmenopausal people. So, mm. so we're going to cover all age groups tonight. Yes, because some yes. some of the tests that one might do for screening might not be relevant for all of the groups. Mm-hmm. Unless there's some specific reason to do so. And that's 18 and over? Well... Depends on the reproductive age group really starts from when the periods become regular, you know. Okay. Because from that time you are capable of making babies. Mm-hmm. I, you could hear a pin. 
pin drop mm-hmm. at that that's time. That's why I asked the question. I know, that's why I asked the question. And you could hear a pin drop everywhere because people are saying, oh my God. And the last time Dr. Hardy was here, mm-hmm. we looked at uh, puberty and we were saying eight, eight years old. Mm-hmm. Yes, as early as eight. And the pins drop again and you can hear the pins drop. I need so, to certify you, you know, and <laughs> she, she seems to remember a lot of these. I have to. I have to. It's a part of my my job <laughs> to know these things, and I appreciate um, you giving me that info. And uh, thank goodness I'm retaining because I, these are things that I, I I have to remember. So we're going to say these are the checkups that women. Um, once you have hit womanhood, then that is what you need to do on a yearly basis, Dr. Hardy? I would say yes. Yes. So what, are, what, are, what, what does a visit... Um, I, let me just ask, and then you can ask your question, mm-hmm. Ivo. Um, I'm coming to your office, or my general practitioner's office. I'm just coming in for my, my annual checkup. Right? Can you paint a picture for me, um, Doc, as to what does that entail? What does it look like um, for a woman who has, uh, unfortunately, who have never gone um, to do a checkup, random checkup? Well, it's a comprehensive um, history and examination. Um, You're going to be. First of all, you're going to be asking the patients, when did their periods begin? That, that, that is probably a good starting point. Mm-hmm. The, the age of menarche, we call it, when the periods begin. And from there, we work ourselves back to the last period. Because everything in gynecology re- revolves around the last menstrual period. Whether it hasn't come yet whether it's stop coming, whether it's late, but everything, once you have that milepost of your last period, you can then work out all of the other parameters around it. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's true. So the, 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 the menstrual cycle, the period, is the foundation it's, that we, is, you build on. It is on. the cornerstone on yeah. which you build on. Build on. Okay. Well, I will hear your... Your th- question I was going to ask is, um, for example, a child at 10, seeing her menstrual period, mm-hmm. she would have to do an annual checkup? Not really. Okay. But there are things that might be um, relevant to people in that age group, for example, um, vaccinations. Okay. You know, the vaccinations, for example, against the human papilloma virus, the wart virus, which we do know is the causative agent for cancer of the cervix in 95% of the cases. Mm-hmm. So you'll have that, that is a discussion that at that age... Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's when the vaccinations um, begin. Right. And... Um, uh, a little digression. Uh, I'm actually disappointed that um, the take-up for that vaccine as well has not been very good, um, especially since it was being given free of charge. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, by by the government to these youngsters. I I, I think it's a situation where um, there probably was a lack of information mm-hmm. to the parents, so a lot of the parents blocked it. But um, by and large, how we got into vaccinating the, our little girls against the HPV, because ideally it should be for all pre-pubertal children before them start getting sexually active. But um, since we're a poor country, we just pick one gender. And the rationale being that if you vaccinate one gender, that's one way of curtailing the epidemic, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Which actually is m- makes good sense. But um, the take-up has not been good. And... Um, Probably because of a lack of information, but it certainly is, as far as I'm concerned, highly recommended. Um, When I heard about it, I mean, the first thing I asked was who was going to fund it, because Mm -hmm. it's an expensive process. And the take-up, unfortunately, has not been good. And um, we do have a fairly high incidence of cervical cancer Mm -hmm. in this country. Thankfully, the numbers are falling, and it's falling because about 20% of our ladies do the pap smear. No, yeah, yeah, oh, during your annual checkup. So yeah. this is also a part of the, 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 the screening process that occurs when you do your annual that checkup. That is correct. Right. So can you imagine if we ever got to 40%? But that speaks a lot, um, Doc, to say that women too are not going in um, for their annual checkups. No, you hear all kinds of stories, all the pap smear hot and that sort of thing. Is, is, it, is, is it costly? Um, <laughs> cost is a relative thing, you know. I, 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 I think it is... Say that, yeah, I, I think it is, re- it is reasonably affordable. In fact, you can even get it done free at the clinic okay. if you are so inclined. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but women, no, I, I just wanted to find out if cost was a deterrent for, for women not showing up to do their annual right. checkup, which is a, which which. which well, which a clinic wouldn't do your annual checkup, but they'll do your pap smear. Your pap smear. So but I'm in your mind, you can say you can if 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 it is available at the clinic, then you can always say, okay, the month of October was the last time I did mine, so I am going to make a schedule for myself and go back again every October. Every October, you understand <clears> what I'm saying? I have a one. Once it is available to mm-hmm. you at the, and that clinic is still open and operating, you can always make it something that you do annually. Why are you laughing over there? Make it something that you do annually. Um, so you will not have your OBGYN sending you a text message to say, I, 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 I've looked on your file and I'm seeing where you're, you need to come in to do your pap smear and your um but, but you don't need an OBG or you don't need you don't you need a general practitioner can also do the it nurses, and the nurses, the can, nurses also can also do it also do the pap smear. No, but um, even when it comes to that pap smear or whatever you there must be some system in place that can inform just like when my drivers uh, my insurance is due the insurance company send me some answer boy well, I, I what you think is due so why we don't keep uh, a, a, a history then, a, a collective information on these patients coming in, so that when it is due, preventative measure you are dealing with them. You're preventing cervical cancer then to become um, 
a pandemic, put it that way. It is already. Yeah, you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you have to think about the society, how you're going to prevent these things. So you have records, information stored on these persons, the last day they come. You can inform them, everybody have a phone now. Technology. Well, well the, the various um, offices usually the, do the give, you a, give you a call, private offices. Yeah, the private offices do and give you a call. the cancer society, in all fairness to them, mm. when, they, when they mail out your results, they will tell you that you're due again in another year. Mm -hmm. No, they tell you. Yeah. I'm the, the reminder, though, that's what I'm I, I, I am not aware that they do okay. the reminders, okay. but they do inform me that the next one is due. You, you could argue, you know, that you should have to bear some you of the responsibility. That's what I'm saying. Too. That's what yeah. I was saying, that you, too, would yeah, have to I bear understand. some of the, the responsibility, because I can always take out the phone and I can always um, call my, 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 my general practitioner or my doctor and says, can you check your system to see when my... My, my checkup is due, or can you check to see w when I did it last year? And based mm -hmm. on the information that I get, I can, okay, I do another one in two weeks, or I do one in December, that sort of thing. But the, uh, the owner, your health is your responsibility. Fine. So the onus is on you also to, to ensure that you make that appointment. Okay. Yeah, you should play an active part. Yes, you have to I do that. I don't disagree. <coughs> I don't disagree. Mm -hmm. But we talk about a healthy population or a healthy society. It goes both ways. I agree, you're personal. You must have your personal mm -hmm. input. But also, these health practitioners, are health, the health sector, need to come up front and deal with these things. And because, look, look, sorry, now, but look how you're talking about that vaccine just a while ago. And it's, when you check on it, it's education. You're supposed to educate the population, information, disseminate mm -hmm. it to the persons so they understand that this is vital, this is very important mm -hmm. for the children. I mean, come on, man. And it's, um, it's taking on a different significance, you know, because a lot of things might not happen to you because of your age. Right. But our population is now aging. So go. we now have more people in... <laughs> in the menopausal age group, for that mm -hmm. matter, than we have ever had at any other time in our history. There you go. So, the 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 whole paradigm mm -hmm. has to shift in terms of how you do things. That's right. Uh, mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. That is my thinking. You know? Yeah, we have to we have to move with the the ever changing times mm -hmm. and utilize um, varying technologies to ensure that we once again, as both Dr. Hardy and I was say, to get the information out there and to continue continuously throw that information out there because even with the uh, the HPV vaccine there was a, a, a maybe because I'm in the media I would have heard about it and then right now you don't hear anything about it so it is like yeah and then you don't hear anything yeah and then you don't hear anything the, the uptake has not been very encouraging actually but, do, but, if, uh, but, but there's no there's there 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 has not been any uptick in terms of communication mm. to ensure that persons become aware of even though it may not have worked out the first time that does yeah. not mean that you should so, stop yeah. yeah we could we could do a relaunch yes Maybe we are doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> and really go out there with it, show them the pros and the cons and the right. statistics and show them, educate, educate them. People. This is why. Then make, they, make, they make the choices. Afterward. You can't say, boy, they never know. Yeah, true that. I didn't know. 
I'm making make another digression. Trying to push this vaccine, you know. Um, what we, what has been showing up in the research from the information gathered, because the vaccine is probably 35 to 40 years old. It's relatively new in terms of medicine, but a long enough time for you to beginning to get a solid amount of data. Uh, what has been discovered is that um, once you've been vaccinated, even if the patient gets a recurrence of whatever, and we're talking about anything from a, a precancerous lesion to people who might have had a carcinoma inside too, that is a cancer that's just on the surface not penetrating the basement membranes. What they have found is that people who get a recurrence having been treated, if they have been vaccinated, the recurrence does not get worse than the initial pathology. Whereas people who have been treated, who get a recurrence, who have not been vaccinated, it might come back worse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing an optic of, of positive information. Mm-hmm. And also, I will add, 30 years on, we still see no need for a booster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or several boosters. <laughs> we, we will move on. We will move on. <laughs> Uh, well, one of the questions that I want to ask, though, uh, Dr. Hardy, and you may or may not know, but I have to throw this out anyhow. anyhow. Uh, you are, for those persons who are blessed to have their health insurance, yeah. does the health insurance cover as an adult? Because we know there were, there were the, the, the HPV vaccine was given, was, was ultimately they wanted to give it to the children, the young girls in schools, and that was free. But for someone like me, um, and I want to get my HPV vaccine, will my health um, card cover such? You would have to claim back. Mm. You can't use it straight. Can't use it straight. And even, even to claim claiming back, I'm not sure how they treat with this. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, but they'll, uh, I was going to say something, but let me not. Um, <laughs> let me not. not uh, do, uh, it might not be politically yeah. correct. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, we're looking at the preventative as opposed to um, other other aspect of the of 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 of, of healthcare. So, all right. What are the other? They, they do they do cover pap smears though. Yes. The insurance companies. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. All right. Back into the back into the doctor's office for our checkup. So we're looking at the pap smear, and we're saying that it can be done. And well, it can we're gone, we're gone far. We're gone we, far. We, we, we jump over the history and that sort of yeah. thing. You know, we need, for example, to find out if there are any are there any problems. Mm-hmm. There might be none, or you might have gynecological problems. Uh, you might have heavy periods. They might be painful. Um, the person may complain of 
vaginal infections, that sort of thing. Um, you have other issues. Do they suffer from depression? Things like sexual, sexuality, um, sexual orientation, all of these things. Um, domestic partner abuse. Mm -hmm. All of these things will come up in the history. And then now you get on to your detailed examination, which is a detailed general examination. And um, with specific attention being paid to your mammogram, if, if you're of, in that age group, or if it's indicated otherwise, the pap smear and the pelvic exam. Mm -hmm. Let us, we know that um, for this month, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, and you mentioned the mammogram. If you're in that particular age group, can you expound on that? Is there a particular age group when it comes to um, examining the breast? Well, I always encourage the patients to develop a relationship with their breasts. They need to know what their breasts feel like. And I say this, you know, against a backdrop that... A lot of the so-called lumps are not real. But even half of the real lumps, you have to ask the patient to find it for you. And I, I'm convinced that some of them, God has given them some sixth sense to find them. Mm-hmm. And um, so what is important is to develop a relationship with your breasts, to know what your breasts feel like, so that you can turn up to the doctor once it doesn't feel like what it used to feel. And look like how it used to look. Well, that, that, that is far disease now if it's looking different, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't mean to laugh, but it's true, Doc. It's true, I have to just throw that in, but yeah, it's true. It's yes. true. So, you know. Because he, some people would not have been looking at, and, and would not have developed the relationship in the first place. Yeah, you know what they feel like. Because sometimes, you know, they, you might not feel a lump, but they might feel different. And that's all you need to know, that something is different here. You go to the doctor. It's not, it's not up to you to make the diagnosis. The doctors will make the diagnosis. But you must know whether it feels the same way or if it feels different. Mm -hmm. Hold that thought. We're going to take a break, reminding you that this talk segment, Inside Singles Live, is courtesy of Alternative Skin Care, the only choice. Their handmade soaps are 100% organic and can be used by men and women of all ages. Available at KW Bloombox, Face Forward Cosmetics, Fontana, Waterloo, and Montego Bay. You can follow at Shop ALT Skin Care on social media. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Let me 
do this one for you before we go back into the talk segment sponsored by Alternative Skin Care. The All-American Institute of Medical Sciences Ames is a premier higher education institution of excellence located in Black River, St. Elizabeth. Ames offers the best programs from an 18-month associate degree in health sciences to a four-year medical degree program or bachelor's of optometry. The AIMS experience will be an enriching one. Enroll today. Call 876-634-4068 or you can visit aaims.edu.jm. AIMS, medical education par excellence. And remember to check out our new videos on Cool 97 FM where you can meet Edson Johnson, our technical producer, as he sits down and chats with Yashika Graham on this month's Up Close and Personal. Watch our live stream of Live Tuesdays. The Fab Five Band plays tributes to Mary Tone. Plus, look out for Woman's Touch 2022 Awards Ceremony. It's all on cool97fm.com. Click on Cool 97 TV. Watch like, subscribe, and share. Reminding you that this talk segment, Inside Singles Live, is brought to you by Alternative Skin Care, the only choice. Remember, you can feel the difference in your skin with their handmade organic soap. So back into the conversation. Dr. Hardy, before we took the break, you were saying that uh, as women, we should, maybe as men too, Hmm. Yeah. Develop a relationship with the breast. I never say whose breast it was, you know. I never say it was your own, you know. <laughs> uh, well, well, <laughs> Develop a relationship. I know why I'm saying that. Dr. Hardy, I think if you think clearly, you'll know why I'm saying what I'm saying. Remember that video? All right. All right. So Dr. Hardy was saying that we should develop a relationship um, with our breasts. We should get to so know. I must participate in it also as a man then. <laughs> Dr. Hardy, is that a good idea? No, well, on a serious, I, I, yeah, on guess, a serious note. I guess that depends on you. Oh, and me. Yes. And also and the the subject being um, examined. Examined. Oh. Yes, yes. Because it might feel different to you too, you know. You might, you might. Yeah, that is so true. And that's serious, seriously. It might feel different. You might say, "Boy, I don't." Something Well, if you think it, if somebody thinks it feels different, then maybe uh, another. A more professional opinion right, should be sought. Right, right. right. After that, after that, yeah. But um, coming back to um, developing this relationship with the breasts, because you know that the um, breasts will vary in its texture and architecture, as one of my colleagues says on one of his pieces, <laughs> um, during the course of the menstrual cycle. Right. Um, so I usually encourage the patients to. Um, do this breast self-examination after the period because prior to the period the breasts can be lumpy uh, as a consequence of the hormonal changes which takes place during your menstrual cycle and some of them sometimes the breasts are tender and swollen and that sort of thing mm -hmm. so you check it after um, the menses of course some bright spark is going to ask what happened to those ladies who don't get a period like the or menopause the ladies 
you check them at the beginning of the month so that you have some constancy in how you do this self-examination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just the point I try, I, I'm trying to get out there. And with that being said, um, that you check your breast after um, the period, mm-hmm. would that also be the recommended time for doing your um, your mammogram? Yes, I think that would be very reasonable. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would be very reasonable. Okay, great. What else should we look into when we are doing our well woman visit? Well, as we had alluded to at the very beginning, this has to be broken down into um, various phases of your life because the, the tests that are done may sometimes be more relevant at one age more than the other. So, you know, like Brother Ivor was asking about blood blood works. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for the younger patient, um, certainly checking on their hemoglobin levels because, you know, the menses are the commonest causes of anemia mm-hmm. in the childbearing age group. Mm-hmm. So certainly we, got, we, we, we check on that. You could also take the opportunity to find if if this person has sickle cell disease or not. And you could probably routinely run your STI screen, your VDRL, your HIV, that sort of thing, in the younger person. Now, coming back to the mammograms, the mammograms are every two years after 35 until 50. And annually after 50. In some jurisdictions, they stop it at 70. I guess the argument is that this is state-controlled. And and the argument is that it is more cost-effective not to bother to do it annually after 70. Uh, I tend to disagree with that. Because even if you become one in a million after 70... When you're that one in the million, you're 100%. So if you can find ways and means to get the examination done, I think you should do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's my opinion. But you have some, I mean, in terms of a woman um, in her 70s um, these days, Doc, they're very... They're low. <laughs> so why would you want to want to stop and run the risk? Yes, why would you want to stop? It's a numbers game, you know. And um, it's a numbers, it's a numbers game. game. It's scientifically speaking. Mm-hmm. But if you are that one, you're a hundred percent. Never lose sight of that. You're no longer one in a million. Um, uh, let me ask this question, um, Doc. So you do the mammogram, and for some women, they recommend also, I don't know if every, the ultrasound, why do both? Um, why yes. both is recommended? Yes, both is recommended. And you need both if, if there's a need for um, ultrasound. Because there, there are things that cannot be detected on ultrasound alone. So you must do the mammogram. Okay. The ultrasound, for example, will not pick up 
um, little specks of calcium that you might see in an early breast cancer. Because remember, you know, the mammogram, and I try to get this point across to the patients. The mammogram ideally is for before lump, you know. Because by the time we have a lump, we have a bigger problem. So it is really screening and early detection before you even feel this lump. So it is very important that we do the mammogram. Now, why some ladies have to get an ultrasound examination is that the breasts are dense. That's how they are officially described. Mm -hmm. So the ultrasound is used in conjunction with the mammogram to make sure that this density is nothing else than dense breast tissue. And we do have a lot of dense breasts in our population. Can you, it's true, but can you expound on what it means to have um, calcium? Dense, before the calcium. I was going to ask him about what causes calcium, but go ahead. Yeah, so can I just break down? The, um, The breast tissue is just pronounced and prolific and for the want of a better um, explanation the tissue is young and strong oh so the density the, the density mil- is not a problem the, de- no, the density, the, the is the not density a problem. alone is not a problem mm-hmm, it's just but you need to make sure that this density is not being caused by anything ominous mm-hmm. all right yes we do <laughs> so the density though dr hardy does it diminish over time or there's d- d- it good question it could because remember now that your breast tissue is subjected to your hormonal influences so as you get into the menopause this could diminish okay all right another question before i have a question how does um a woman who have had um breast implants um, take care of her. her. <laughs> She's supposed to do her mammograms, you know. So, how does that work now? Well, the radiologists will um, interpret what they see, but certainly if they see pathology, they will <laughs> they will pick it up. So, you're saying women who have implants still need to do yes. their, their mammograms? Yes. They still do. Okay. There's no density there, per se. You could. You, you could. It all depends on what you're examining. Oh. What I wanted to ask you, what causes the buildup of calcium? I'm, I'm, I was very curious about that. In some cancers, the, the, you will see these little calcium deposits. What are the cause? What normally is the cause? It's all part of the cancer tissue. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know. I thought it was like from eating some... No, 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 no. It's, oh, it's, okay. it's part of the pathology. Okay, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, if you will see the cancer, um, the, the, these specks of can, of calcium, then you are going to know that something, something is going is on mm-hmm. in this area. Okay. You know. And and this is very makes the mammogram very useful, especially if you run into that situation before lump. So that that would be really be early detection. Very early. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And when, and and when the calcium is spotted, doc, mm-hmm. um, do you do anything at that particular time? You send them to the surgeon. Quick, okay, quick. <laughs> yes, yeah. quick. Yes, quick. Yes, quick. <laughs> oh, oh. Yes, Ooh. quick. Okay. 
but I was I was saying that um, that's a thought process. Um, do we as men need to know all this information? Um, we do from the standpoint that mm. cancer the breast does occur in men. You know, in fact, one percent of all breast cancers occur in the male. Mm. And um, the tragedy about breast cancer in the male is that because of the the lack of in of enough tissue. Sorry, there is easier spread into the muscles and the chest wall and the lungs. Mm-hmm. So it can be a more um, serious situation than even for a lady. Mm-hmm. So if, if for any reason there is any lump in the breast, you should check it out if you're a man. Mm-hmm. No, and let this not be like pubertal boys who get a breast bud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember my mother sending me to the doctor. She said, no subject is... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, uh, at, at that time, it, it would be normal, especially if it occurs in both. And it is not going to be long-lasting. That means I'm going to be there for, for six months. Mm-hmm. You know, so that would be your guide. Mm-hmm. But um, no, certainly, if there's a lump in your breast as a male, you should seek some professional advice. Okay. Um, so we looked at um, the breast. Um, we looked at pap smear. Where are we going now? Well, we are getting a little older. So we will have to begin to look at um, other things which afflict you as you become more mature. So on these visits now, well, careful attention has always been placed on your height and weight. All right, to work out your your mass, your body mass index mm-hmm. to see if you're overweight. Um, you know, have to start screening for things like diabetes high cholesterol you know all of these other things that um, affect you and if you're a smoker you got to get a chest x-ray done if you are an alcohol user you have to use the right words you know you have to do the relevant testing uh, along those lines Certainly, when you become menopausal, these things become routine. But there is a good chance that these could be off at that time. Again, numbers game. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that is, um, these are some of the things. Then, of course, you you know, one, one needs to get more active depending on what the, p- the person has. For example, a lady in her late 30s, early 40s comes in with a change in her menstrual behavior. The periods suddenly have become heavier. On examination, she may be found to have fibroids. You may, f- you may feel other masses in the pelvis. 
Um, and of course, it, it would require you doing your pelvic ultrasound examination. I usually also throw in the, the abdomen as well as you ascend the 30s and into the 40s if we find pathology in the tummy. Because um, you could occasionally have some problem there as a result of something happening elsewhere in the abdomen. For example? Mm hmm. I'm curious, for example. So, for example, you have a cancer of the stomach. You could get an ovarian tumor. We call it a Krokenberg's. It has a name. Somebody's tagged their name onto it. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, so these things are, are important to check on. Um, you're also into the age group when other things may begin to happen in the abdomen. You might get, for example, your gallstones. Gallstones could get kidney stones too. But, um, you know, these things become, take on a new relevance as you become more mature. Kidney stones, is it more prevalent in men than women? Yes. Yes. Primarily because men um, subject themselves to dehydration at a greater oh. rate than, than women do. Okay, but you overdo it. You say, no, this is sure the water, but... <laughs> so that is, yes, yeah, so um, dehydration can, 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 are one of the factors of developing... Ex excessive milk drinking, too. Oh, risk them out. If you sit down here and start drinking milk and drinking milk and drinking milk, you could make a stone by morning. My word. Well, it's not natural to be drinking milk continuously. But that can happen. So the kidney stones are in are, 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 are calcium. Most of them are calcium. Calcium, the same kind yeah. of calcium that you find in the in it, that will be deposited um, in the breast. Um, no. Okay. It, it's by a different process. Okay. It's by the disease process, the cancer process, mm -hmm. why this happens. Mm -hmm. Not because of your milk consumption. No. Okay. So you're no more. <laughs> hey, country people, that's a listen. The, the, the holy part uh, drinks drinking and the sediments I from. Don't I don't know how true the true this is in a doctor, um, Hardy. But in terms of uh, kidney stones, in terms of men, sediments from whatever they consume. Um, you drink too much um, sugar and water, and the sediments from the sugar. I guess. I don't know. I'm just showing some of the. I'm just showing out showing out some of the things that I used to hear. Them say black pepper. Time leaf yeah. yes things like that yeah. so only what, what is basically say that our trainer works better than you <laughs> <laughs> our filtering system is is much better because once again you're not hydrating properly yeah you you drink too much water right so we we we, 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 we in, during that checkup we're looking out for kidney stones um what else what about um irregularity in terms of um blood pressure because when you get to a certain age um, yes, you 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 will start to develop these um non communicable diseases so the the whole thing you know about the annual check is that it also branches out into a multidisciplinary um, occasion. 
because it's it's all well and good. You could come and see the gynecologist and you get your routine check. But he's really the gatekeeper for detecting other conditions which may need referral to a relevant specialist. Mm-hmm. All right? Now, in the menopausal lady, for example, we have to look at things like her womb, the lining of the womb, how thick it is, that sort of thing. And there are other uh, things you have to look at. You will have to look at her cholesterol, her diabetes, her colonoscopy might become relevant Mm -hmm. depending on her age or her family history Mm -hmm. or her history of having problems um, with with the bowels. For example, suppose she's passing blood in her stools. You you can't keep assuming that it is piles. You know, you can't just say it's bright red blood, so it's piles. You have to now think of the patient's age as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Could have cancer the colon. Okay. <laughs> you know, if you want to go ultimate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But we hear a lot of a lot of um, doc. We hear a lot of emphasis being placed on the pap smear and um, the mammogram. Mm-hmm. But you don't hear much about the colonoscopy. Is it something that? Is re- you do or you have to wait until <laughs> just like how they say okay women after 35 you need to do your ex your 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 your, your mammogram every year or every two year is it that women after 55 should consider doing a, a colonoscopy every year i'm just throwing this no, it's not every, it's not every, no it's not every year um if your colonoscopy is clean they'll tell you to come back five seven or ten years from now okay okay right. okay but i mean it would um it would get its genesis from one of these annual checkups that you do but remember now that it is not just done by rote it has you you also you also have to factor in any fa- any history of the person any family history or any risk factors so you may find that somebody might be sent to do these examinations at an earlier age than is the norm for example breast cancer if you have a breast, if you have a family history of breast cancer, ideally, your mammogram should start 15 years before the time of diagnosis of your relative. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a relative who was diagnosed at age 40, you need to start doing your mammograms at 25. Mm-hmm. Genogram. Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't. Um, it, you don't. And it it, it 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 really boils down to your knowing that this person has a strong family history. So you would be looking out for them at an earlier time in terms of doing these testings. Mm-hmm. 
But in terms of having a data bank, we, we, no, don't, we, don't, uh, really have we don't have that. But you would have during the during the during the, 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 the initiation <laughs> of your visit, that you're collecting your um, your screening your patients in terms of patient history. You'd have asked because there's yes. some little forms that you you do get to fill out. Correct. Take your mother have high blood pressure, father have high blood pressure, anybody with cancer. Yes, yeah, so you get the, a, there's the, the a family history. Family history. Yes. Yes. So, which is routinely checked on. Mm-hmm. Um, to what extent that could vary from place to place, but well, I must say all. Well, I don't go hippity hoppity around, but I know that um, it's something that a doctor um, they do. Or doctor they do. Usually, they, they do usually that. do. They do that. They do that. They do that. So. We looked at the mammogram, colonoscopy, uh, um, what pap else? Smear. Pap smear. Ultrasound Ultra, let examination. Us, let us look at the ultra, ultrasound examination. So we can do ultrasounds um, for the breasts also. And the yeah. pelvis. And the pelvis. In fact, more ultrasound examinations are done on the pelvis than on the breast. That is so true. But what do these... What, uh, <laughs> all right. Well... <laughs> Hold that thought, Doc. Let us take the break and answer um, I was uh, question. I was about to ask you the same thing also. So why more ultrasound on the pelvic area than the breast? We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Singles Live on The Nation Schoolist. Cool 97. Singles live on the Nation School at School 97 FM, 10.35 on the clock, and you are still inside the talk segment. Sponsored by Alternative Skin Care, the only choice. Remember, their handmade soaps are 100% organic and can be used by men and women of all ages. Available at KW Bloombox, Face Forwards Cosmetics, Fontana Waterloo, and Montego Bay. And follow shop ALT Skin Care on social media so maxi 911 how you doing and she's just um adding to the conversation this text came in a little bit earlier um but she just wanted to say that i'm at work so she's not inside the mixlr chat room but she's listening and she says here in canada we get a letter from the minister of health reminding us to do our paps Example, I missed my appointment in June and I've gotten eight reminders. <laughs> and she says um, the same for the mammal and the and some other tests. Okay, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. But that eh? It is a responsibility. Because prevention is better than a healthy society. So you take the preventative measures. So you put you put a lot of emphasis on the preventative care, right? As opposed to you um, dealing with the medical bills. It's best to prevent. It costs the government less. That is the same thing I was thinking when I was asked um, the question about the insurance company. And uh, what they're pushing, yeah, uh, in terms of the preventative measures. Right. All right. 
the clock on the wall tells us that we <laughs> we are covering grounds and we still have some more to go. So, Ivo, you had asked a question. Persons in Mixalarma, who, hi, how are you doing? She says, Ivo, mic is extremely low. I couldn't hear the question. What was the question that you asked again? Mm, about the calcium builder? No, no, it wasn't the calcium. Question I asked. You don't remember? <laughs> no, the last question before we took the break. Why? Why? Yeah. In terms of the pelvic exit, the, the ultrasound right. emphasis is placed in the pelvic area using the ultrasound. Well, the ultrasound is the gold standard for detecting pelvic pathology. Mm-hmm. Full stop. So, what though you'll find is that um, a patient, for example, doing a mammogram, may not necessarily need an ultrasound examination. But a patient with pelvic pathology, they all may require a pelvic ultrasound examination. This may be relevant for our younger patient who might be pregnant, they might have an ovarian cyst. As we get a little older, you have problems with the womb, whether it be a polyp, a fibroid. Um, these factors can force you into an ultrasound examination because there's a mass arising out of the pelvis. But then you could also get a mass arising out of the pelvis because of some ovarian pathology. So there might be an ovarian cyst or an ovarian, or an ovarian malignancy. I was going to say a tumor, but a cyst is also a tumor. Mm-hmm. And a cyst can be malignant too. All right? Just that in the younger person, most of them would be benign. And of course, as the patients become older and become menopausal, we may not necessarily be so interested in the fibroids, but we now begin to, begin to look at the thickness of the lining of the womb. Because then you're now stepping up into the age group of the cancers of the body of the uterus the endometrial cancers and um, it is something that we need to be mindful of you know because for example in the younger patient by being overweight it can impact on their fertility negatively however these people who are overweight are also at risk for developing cancer of the womb in their 60s because the fat tissue binds your female hormone estrogen. So if you're overweight or obese, you have a surplus of estrogens. So you have this prolonged stimulation of the lining of the womb, which is a risk factor for you getting endometrial cancer when you get up into your later years. And we have begun to see the effects of this, you know, because as we now see more and more patients in the menopausal age group as our population ages, we are seeing more problems in the menopausal group, you know, postmenopausal bleeding, postmenopausal pathology. And I don't think it's an increased incidence. I just think we are now seeing more people in that age group. Uh-huh. All people. 
<laughs> older people. Older people. <laughs> the population. Or, or as I say, more, much, more mature the, people. The, 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 the population is maturing. More mature people. Yeah, the population is maturing. Yes, the population is maturing. Old people. The population is maturing, Ivor. Yeah. So, um, the blood works. Yeah, I'm, I'm just at, 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 at this particular time. Um, yes, in your person's um, checkup, I, I think the executive profile is very important where they do a wide screen, not, mm -hmm. not everything, but a wide enough screen of, of your um, blood works. They look at your hematology, that's your hemoglobin, that sort of thing. They look at your liver function, your kidney function, they look at your cholesterols, they look at um, your, your, your blood chemistry, not, not only at your electrolytes, but at things like uric acid. Um, calcium, unfortunately, is not a part of the test, so you have to add that if you, if you do the um, executive profile. Mm -hmm. And um, neither is the PSA, the P but that's for male. Mm. Mm -hmm. No PSA. Yeah, but the still executive PSA. profile. No, we're right. We're, we're <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's an important um, exercise. They also look at your urine and at your stools. Mm -hmm. So um, certainly, in, in all in all persons, I'd say fifty and above, you should routinely do this. You may do this. In younger patients, who you think there might be a need to do so? Uh, an executive profile at 50 for those persons who have... 50 hit, and beyond, 50 yes. and who have hit that marker. Annually? Annually? No, Doc, was saying... Yes. Annually? Yes, okay. annually. Annually, yes. Okay. Things change. Things change rapidly. Well, say, after fifty things just start go. Is it uphill or downhill? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <I don't laughs> <know. Old> <laughs> things change. Uh, you get no, more mature. <laughs> <laughs> just start change rapidly. So listen. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. Because when you look at that picture, when you were thirty-five, mm -hmm. and you look at yourself now, and you come here. But even the feeling, Ivor, Ivor, eh? even the feeling, because look by you over there, so you could have uh, run road and uh, play here, there, everywhere, when you're in your 40s, like, in your 30s and 40s, and now you're talking about, say, you walk by your bed. Yeah, yeah, the body, don't, I mean, we would say right? age, is, age is just a number, Dr. Hardy, no. but it's not true, you know? No, it's not true. It's, it's not, not true. true. It's not true at all. No, but for they, they, some things. Yes. I mean, the mind still works very well. Yeah. Hopefully, they, does it retain? Work, <laughs> but does it retain? <laughs> you have to do mind exercise. The mind exercise. Yeah, yeah, you have to do a whole lot of reading. I am, I play some like word puzzles. And <laughs> yeah, that's good for Alzheimer's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, if you generate, um, yeah, I, I run in from Alzheimer's. Yes, yes. Every morning I do some word thing, you know, word game. Right. Yeah. And also, even in communicating with the older patient in terms of their history, it also gives you, as the caregiver, an opportunity to um, ascertain whether or not there might be any element of dementia mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. You know, so. 
me as the man in the family, am I to pay this attention to all this information which relates to the woman? Yes, you should. Okay. You, you should. Remember what I always say? <laughs> this thing that a relationship is a team sport. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. All right. So it is important that you and know. I know all of these things. For more reasons than one. Yeah. In that um, when they, if or when they do occur, mm-hmm. you'll be able to to deal with them more efficiently. Yeah. Okay, okay. And and you also will know better how to how to deal with it. How to deal with it. And how to cope with it. Okay. I know that we're focusing on the the the, 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 the checkup in terms of female. female. But I want to ask a part of this checkup should be uh, see I'm we have to push up my glasses to in terms of uh, Eyes, I would I say eyes, ears. <laughs> yeah. well, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, man. Yes. oh, yes, going to the dentist. Is going a, to the is dentist a part, is a part of this mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. But the eyesight, though, dog, the eyes, yes. the eyes. Yes. Um, but even even your general practitioner, and even in up in, in in your office, I always see some little charts. Do you can? I mean, then you send the patient off to the relevant specialist. So well, they will they will report, you know, that doc are not seeing so well, or I'm having problems driving at nights, that sort of thing. So you, you, or they just can't they can't read the program. Their hands, they are there, <laughs> the program at the arm's length. So you know, so you know, this person is at least forty. Oh, no, no, that's not true. <laughs> So when you start to read the program out here, so you say you know you're at least forty. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a, that's a, <laughs> you know, so the, the ophthalmologist certainly comes into play. Okay, and the dentist. The dentist, you know, uh, for, for many reasons, you know, because good oral hygiene um, is good for things like your heart. Yes, lots of bacteria are formed in the mouth. Which can affect other systems in the body. It could get into your bloodstream. Next thing you know, you have a heart problem, you have a kidney problem. Um, the diabetes, remember, diabetes affects every organ system in the body. So, too, does the high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah, but, I, you know, that's I, 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 I really love you. Family life, education. Why, 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 Dr. Hardy? Because you hear about um, good oral health in terms of keeping your, 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 <laughs> your teeth in old age. But it's for the first time that I've ever heard it being broken down to say good oral health can deter um, certain bacteria in the body mm-hmm. um, from reaching the, the organs. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets there through the bloodstream. Through the bloodstream. So the same plaque that you have, and let me just throw this out, the same plaque that you, you would, would have if you don't, you're not taking care of your, 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 your teeth and your gum, is the same plaque that can travel and, 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 and in terms of take that bacteria to the, to, the, to, the, to, 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 to the organs. It doesn't even need a plaque. You don't need a plaque? It doesn't even need it. The, the plaque might just be uh, trying to get the right word. Like when they build artificial reefs for the fish to breathe. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> the, the plaques might be a reef, yes. That's a reef for the fish, but, for, the, for the bacteria. But to, the bacteria to, can flow without the reef. With the, oh, <laughs> so it's like a little home for the bacteria. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking for a home so they stay there and they get nice. Hide out. Hide out, right. Technically, it's, we call it a nidus. So good oral health. Yeah, good oral health is critical. Um, eye screening is, is very critical. Oh, yes. Because um, it's, a, it's a physiological thing, you know. Uh, as you get more mature, accommodation becomes diminished. Accommodation means your ability to, to see near or far things. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, you have the good old cataract coming on. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you have things like diabetes or high blood pressure, these two can affect your eyesight. So, you, you know, checking on your eyes is also a good part of this um, annual checkup. Check up. You might not have to go to the ophthalmologist every year, but if you have an eye problem, you might. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, because sometimes you go and you find a problem that you're not even realize pending. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I found out that I had a slight cataract when I did the test when I was doing my exam. And I th- I, I, and that's I, I, how I found out how that's like one. Mm. So what they did, they prescribed a dark lens. A darker lens. Yeah. And to cut down on the ultraviolet rays. Right, but right. but invariably it will catch up on you. know. Uh-huh. Mm. I'm around from it now. What a news. What a news. In, in fact, um, cataract surgery is the commonest surgery done in the world. Yeah. It's the commonest surgery done yeah. in the world. No, 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 most of them are not done by laser. They, 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 they re- remove the lens that's there, the one with the cataract, mm-hmm. and replace it with, a, with an artificial implant. And then the whole world gets brighter. Yes, yeah, so you see the whole world will get brighter here. <laughs> the whole world will get brighter. But the eye examination... Um, to the I, I was just about to ask that. Um, apart, we can pick up other um, other abnormalities that is happening. It, you, you can get um, diabetic changes to the blood vessels in the back of the eye. There's right? a word for it. I can't remember what it is. No, I'm going to go mention so. Silver wiring. It's called silver wiring. The the the, the effects of um, the diabetes on the blood vessels. But um, a broad a broad umbrella term is a retinopathy. Yes, that's the word that I wanted right. to remember. But it, it would encompass any pathology in the retina. So it would, it would embrace the effects of diabetes, the effects of high blood pressure, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or the detection or the detects. Det- it detects. Okay. It would, it would detect. Mm-hmm. Okay. You may see early changes in, in somebody who might not be, you, you might think is not so badly affected, but mm-hmm. um, different people, uh, things, things occur at different rates, okay. you know. You keep using the word rate, like, you know. It's a percent. It's a percentage. Okay. Yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. num- a numbers no, game. No, no. Back to the numbers <laughs> game. <laughs> All right, is there anything else that we should cover? Let us look at, um, we looked at... Skin care. 
<laughs> skincare is also a part of it. Skincare, that's why I need to shop altskincare.com. But guess what? The skin says a lot also, um, Dr. Harvey. Skin is a lot, that's all. Right. right. It's, oh, yeah, so it says a lot in terms of your, um, your, your skincare. So a doctor may pick up on certain warts. And all, mm. all warts are caused by the human papillomavirus, HPV. Uh, there are over 200 strains of the HPV. And different strains have a greater affectation on different parts of the body. So how do you know now when to not overlook um, a wart or you should not overlook any? I don't know. I'm just asking. Um... Well, certainly the location of the wart <laughs> probably um, <laughs> has a very big bearing on um, on the significance of the wart. But, you know, if you have a large crop of warts too that are unsightly, you're certainly going to try and deal with them. Mm-hmm. And remember now that the warts are due to a virus. So you find that sometimes you may go to the dermatologist and they remove the bigger ones and your immune system mops up the others. Uh-huh. All right? Mm-hmm. It's really, um, we call it cytoreduction, but it's basically the large mass uh, overwhelms your ability to clear them. So by helping out the system, by taking away the bigger ones, your body sometimes just mops up the rest of them. Mm-hmm. The dynamics of the human body. Yes, your, your, your immune system, your immune system deals does with them. To so them just drop off them. <laughs> no, they, 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 are, they, are, they are attacked and destroyed by okay. the immune system. The immune system. All right. So there's a question that I want to ask um, Dr. Hardy, and it's from a um, psychological perspective. And yes, there are physical implications um, in terms of women coming into um, the doctor's office um, with, well, you wouldn't know, I wouldn't say with, and you detect or doctors can sometimes detect unreported abuse, um, emotional, more like physical, and even um, maybe even sexual abuse. Um, do do you find that women come in to say that this is happening, or is it something that from time to time a doctor picks up on? Very good question. Um it's actually a very difficult area, you know. The, the patients, by and large, try to conceal these, this abusive sit- situation. And you, you are not likely to see it. You are not likely to see it. And this is a trained psychologist. <laughs> but if not trained psychologists can see 
I mean, you're looking, you know, after, 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 I mean, you're going to detect after several um, um, questions and observation and, and behavioral patterns. But most likely when they turn up into, into the office, they would have already. There are no physical marks. Right. There are no physical marks. But based on the fact that they're there and you're asking what brings you to my office yes. and they will start to open up to you. But that is a psychological um, aspect I'm talking about in terms of you going to your OBGYN or your medical practitioner. They probably would discuss this with your OBG with their OBGYN. Mm-hmm. Primarily because OBGYNs are also primary care physicians. And they may have developed a, a closer relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not easy for the ladies to come and tell you that they are being beaten up. What about the men? <laughs> That's even worse because they're ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, and this one, the um, one of the reasons for the perpetuation of this sort of problem, you know, because they don't talk. Hmm. They don't talk. But, yeah, both men and women. But I'm just thinking and you that you hardly see them in the phase where you can actually spot injuries. I mean, mm-hmm. apart from the few black eyes that I might have seen when I used to work as a casualty officer. We don't see marked women at all. They stay away until the marks recede. Okay. In, in fact, it had gotten so badly when there's this global talk about abuse. You, you attend conferences overseas and you go into the rooms where they have the abuse lectures and you hear them talking. And I remember going to the lady at the Ministry of Health. She, she was a nurse, but she had done her PhD. And I asked her if this was true. And she said, yes, but you don't see it. Because it, 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 it's, it's something that we see so infrequently in terms of the physical effects. Because don't think I'm saying that it, it doesn't happen. It does. But you don't see the effects of it because they don't come. So I asked her if this abuse argument is true, and she said yes. That was what convinced me that this was really true. But we, we, we don't see abused women. And this, this has to do with the women, because they just mm-hmm. don't come. They just don't come. Mm-hmm. Is there a reporting protocol? <laughs> I, I'm sure they have, but... Um, I know, I, I think in the States they have reporting protocols. Mm-hmm. If you're a medical practitioner, and you find that. Just for the kids, just when they go to school. And yeah, for the children here in Jamaica. Children here. Yeah, in children here. I'm talking about an adult, because sometimes you could have stopped the domestic violence, nip it in the bud from there. But there's no reporting protocols there. No, we don't. Um, because by and large, you know, if something like that, if you have to report it, it becomes a police matter. <laughs> uh, you know, the implications that that carries. That is too much for the police. How they are not trained psychologists. This is my point. The doctor detected, reported. Yeah, you report it to the authorities, then find treatment or get to the source using a, public, a, a social scientist or somebody to intervene. Mm-hmm. So you would prevent that domestic violence from happening. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah, preventative measures. Right, there you go. 
So if you see, you must have reporting protocols. Okay, we call in a social scientist or a social socialist and let them get intervals and intervene into the problem. Don't wait till it happens down there, so then you're trying to intervene. That's why I'm saying these things need to put in place. You see, a meritocracy is the best way to run a country. Yeah. The right people, right persons in the right places who think way beyond. You yeah. say you want a healthy society, these are the things you need to know. Domestic violence is one of the, one of the biggest things in this country too. Okay? So this is how you may need Having reporting protocols is a law, it's legislation. You say, alright, you see, I have evidence of it, this is where you go. Instead of giving the police, the police don't know nothing about it. Tell me which police station have a, a, a psychologist there. <laughs> Look at these murderers there. Nobody study them, their behavior to know that when you see these things or when they come in. No, they, I don't think they're doing any study on criminals. That's how you solve crime. You, you call it, you know what you call it? Let me know I'm straying from the point. But it's profiling. Yeah. Yeah, as simple as that. But you don't have these people that not even a police station you can't find us. You're not going to find a forensic no, psychologist in a police station. No, not, not even that. No, I don't mean or regularly or or, yeah, or counseling psychologists. Generally, you need to have them. Well, general, in the, in the in the broader scheme of things, um, it would be ideal in a, the ideal situation. Just like in the ideal situation, we're saying to women that we we, we would we, we we suggest or we would love if you turn up at your 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 your, your, your doctor's office, and with with with, with 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 the evidence, with the fresh evidence, instead of waiting three, four, five, six weeks, and then you turn up at the doctor's office. The point is that because the doctor, you feel that the doctor, no, hmm? I, I, I the doctor no, I know the consequences of reporting it are the police getting involved, then that's the consequence of it. True, true right. that, right. true that. And sometimes you can teach a person how to mitigate the vibe, the abuse by certain behavior or seeing certain trends. No, but it's yeah. it's it's it's, it's no, a it's, it's a part it's, of the topic. Thinking is uh, looking ahead, man. Hello, that's not my opinion. I'm not technically competent. No, don't say that. Your suggestions and opinion matters. No, I know. But yes, your suggestions and your opinion matters. That's my opinion. Mm. Dr. Hardy, <laughs> anything you want to add before we wrap things up? <laughs> well, you know, we have so much more that we could have covered. Yes, yes. You know, um, in terms of, but what is important is that it, all our ladies need to do an annual exam. And even for the ladies who have no problems, some of them have no womb, no ovaries I still remind them that they are much more than a vagina so they need to go and get this annual checkup so we can check on the other systems mm -hmm. in, in the body mm -hmm. and the recommended 
um, time span for the various age groups? I mean, I think it should go every year, no? Every year, across the board. Across the board. Okay. Every year, across the board. Because yeah. even 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 if you were to, you know, moved on um, before puberty, once a child is going into the school system, then you know the child goes every year before um, the school year begins to do their mm. what do you call it now? What Some they? medical. They're medical, medical, right. Because they have to do that every September. <laughs> but, but it's preventative maintenance. That's what it really is. Yeah, so is. it is once again every year preventative maintenance yeah. before you go back to school. Yeah. So, I mean, you take it on when you become an adult. Yeah. And, and, it, just, and, and, it, just. and it varies. You know, what, what is done varies depending on your age, mm-hmm. your history history, your risk factors, your family history, you know, mm-hmm. your sexual orientation, orientation, all of these things. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the singles live on the Nation School at School 97 FM. So, Dr. Milton Hardy, thank you so much for coming into the studio of Cool 97 FM for another uh, vibrant discussion. I want to say thank you so much to Alternative Skin Care, the only choice be the difference in your skin with handmade organic soaps. Organic uh, soaps, um, they are uh, helpful with most skin conditions such as eczema, acne, dry skin, and hyperpigmentation. And remember, you can follow... Um, ALT Skin Care, Alternative Skin Care at Shop ALT Skin Care on social media. Join us next week for another uh, vibrant discussion right here on The Nation's Coolest. Cool 97. Radio.